This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by the Live Alcohol Experiment, a 30-day science-based and compassion-led journey where you learn to develop a healthier relationship with alcohol without relying on willpower. Why? Because the truth is that willpower runs out. Instead, you learn how to focus on what you gain, not what you give up, so you can feel good about the decisions you make without shame or guilt. With the 30 days of video training, virtual daily coaching, and a private and supportive community, you get that and so much more. Join us today to get happier, healthier, and to take back your life. Your live alcohol experiment starts on the 1st, so sign up at livealcoholexperiment.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Scott Pinyard, head coach of This Naked Mind, and I am here with another edition of Naked Life Stories. Today, I have Ruthie with me. Ruthie, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I am good. I am good. I have been looking forward to this. So you and I have worked together, actually, in one of our path groups. We'll get to that later. Um, yep. But I want to start all the way at the beginning with you. Um, take us back to the very beginning of your drinking journey and kind of how did it all start? And we'll just work our way through it from there. Sure. Um, so I was never, um, I didn't really start drinking until college. I think I had one or two beers in high school. It never really uh, attracted me in high school. And then really after freshman year in college uh, was when I started to drink heavily. I would say I'd had a pretty typical college experience in terms of you know, occasional binge drinking or drinking more than I should. Um, and in those days, uh, I was able to wake up uh, fresh-eyed and able to move on, <laughs> as I think many college uh, people do, or many people at the beginning of their drinking journey do. Um, so I would say that throughout uh, college, uh, my drinking definitely increased uh, over time, um, just hanging out with friends and going out quite a bit. I still did well. It didn't affect uh, necessarily my academics, my grades or anything. Uh, and after it kind of continued on that upward trajectory after college. Um, That's so, so funny. I just want to interrupt because I don't hear mm -hmm. this very often. Although I did talk to someone else the other day who was in the same boat that didn't start until college. I was in the same, I was like afraid of it. Like I wouldn't I was too. touch it. Yeah. 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 It was funny. Like what, I'm curious, tell me a little bit about that. Like what, what were you, what was your, like for me, my dad had a problem with alcohol and I was just like, mm -hmm. I don't want to get anywhere near it. Um, but it was from this real fear-based place that I busted right through when I got to college. But prior to that, like, <laughs> I just wouldn't do it. Was What was that like for you? It sounds like me. Uh, yeah. No, I didn't have any, uh, There, it wasn't based on fear. None of my friends drank in high school. Um, mm -hmm. That wasn't really our scene. I was big into sports. I played multiple sports every, you know, every season. And for some reason, and this sounds hilarious now, I was even af not afraid, but I was leery of taking even Advil or over-the-counter mm. medication. Um, I always just wanted to kind of, I guess, feel things naturally, or I was very in touch with, um, I guess, my body and my feelings at that time. I journaled a lot. Uh, everything that I aspire to do now, I did naturally as a teenager. <laughs> you had it all. <laughs> exactly. I, I didn't know I had it all, but I definitely had it all. Um, yeah. And, and then 
when I went to college, I went away to college and uh, it just was the culture and I fell mm -hmm. into it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I remember so clearly just, it was just what we did. Right. It was just what you did. It wasn't like a question. I don't know. And something about that gave me a level of permission. Like in my mm -hmm. head, I kind of think I always knew I was going to drink in college, but until then, I don't know. So anyway, sorry to derail your story. So you're in college, you're still successful, but that's when you started drinking. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and honestly, I didn't really start drinking very much until sophomore year. I didn't drink very much in uh, freshman year at all. I don't know why I didn't hang out with people who drank heavily. And then, uh, yeah, sophomore year kind of took off. Uh, and it's just something that everyone did, right? So we would, um, you know, go to uh, parties or just hang out in the dorm room, you know, typical college stuff. So I would say that, and it, it was one of those things where I definitely wasn't the worst out of my friends. And so you kind of compare yourself, engage yourself uh, towards other people. And, you know, I was just doing what everyone else was doing. And so I didn't mm -hmm. think anything of it. I didn't even think twice about it. Um, and then in between when I graduated college, uh, in 2000, I spent a couple of years working before going to law school. Um, and my drinking continued, uh, when I was out of college, uh, pretty heavily, but probably, you know, after a while during that period, you know, you get the nine to five job and you're like, oh boy, this is like what real life is all about. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it kind of, it kind of lost its luster a little bit. Sure. Um, but I still was drinking heavily, particularly on the weekends. Um, mm -hmm. It kind of continued. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when it really started to uptick was in graduate school, in law school. Yeah. And I started uh, law school in 2002, graduated in 05. And I remember very clearly when things started to um, increase, it was after my first, um, you know, college and high school for that matter were always pretty, uh, I don't want this to sound weird, but were always pretty easy for me academically. Same. Um, and, yeah. and then when I got to law school, it was like, oh my gosh, everyone else is really smart. <laughs> um, and I remember I didn't do so hot my first uh, semester there. And mm. the pressure of that, and it all kind of came crashing down. And I remember the pressure of that and comparing myself to other people uh, and the anger and the fear and everything just kind of caved in. And I realized, yeah. wow, uh, I can't, uh, we talk about this in, in one of our, one of the programs is that, you know, you feel like when you're growing up, growth just kind of happens. Yeah. Um, well, not so much when you become an adult, you have to put in a lot more effort. And that's exactly what happened. I realized like, wow, um, I can't just skate through anymore. I actually have to put in a, a lot of effort. And yeah. that's when my drinking just escalated to a whole other level at that point. Was that, do you think that was stress? Was that yes. like a relief from that? Absolutely. And I hung out with people who drank heavily. Um, again, yeah. my friends drank heavily. It was just norm a normal thing to do in grad school. Everyone did it. Um, and so it was, again, going along with the culture, but absolutely um, to deal with the stress, the pressure, the anxiety, um, you know, and later on in law school was when I was first diagnosed with anxiety disorder. Uh, mm -hmm. And so that played a big factor into it too. And instead of dealing like I did when I was in high school, instead of dealing with those strong emotions uh, by journaling, by whatever else I did, 
um, I really turned to drinking to try and just black it out or, you know, like push those feelings down and it didn't work out so well. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, it's yeah. funny too. Like that time period right after college is like this, you know, normally for a lot of people it's between undergrad and when you get married or have kids. Right. Um, I just have, I live in a, a neighborhood in Portland, Maine, and there's this house. I can see it from my office. And it's like some guy that graduated from UMaine bought the house and he is, you know, there's like parties every weekend. And like, I just remember what that was like. It was just the norm. And yeah. for me, it was, I started to look forward to it. You know, mm -hmm. I started to be like, ah, oh, what a long week. I can't wait till Saturday, you know, when I'm going out or whatever. Absolutely. And that's, that's what it, it what, that's what it ended up evolving into for me. Um, so throughout law school, things just kind of escalated. And that's the first time in law school was the first time where I actually noticed it had a negative impact on my life, um, mm. where, where things started to, you know, not that I was going to do anything about it at that point, but yeah. when I actually, if I look back and reflect now, I would miss study groups. Um, I would always drink way more than other people, uh, <laughs> and always be yeah. the person that people had to take care of. Um, people would get mad at the amount I drank or just my behavior. Um, and so looking back on it, um, that's when it actually started to affect my life in a negative way from my perception. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so by the time I ended, uh, law school, when I was diagnosed, I was properly diagnosed. I should have been diagnosed probably a few years prior with anxiety disorder. I started taking medication. Hmm. And so, um, no clue at that time, uh, or no warning really, uh, from any of my providers that, you know, I, I shouldn't mix alcohol and medication, anxiety medication. And that just made it 10 times worse. Yeah. Did anyone, you know, when you were dealing with that, did any of your doctors ask about that? Like before, before even talking about medication, like just asking about how much do you drink and like talking about the role that would play? Cause that's a big surprise to a lot of people of how alcohol really fuels this cycle. Absolutely. No. Um, you know, I had, it was my idea. I've always been proactive in my care. So if I don't feel right, either in my body or my mind, I'm always very proactive in getting care. And, uh, I've always just been that way. And so when I sought out a, uh, counselor and he diagnosed me and, and had me go on medication, whenever I would go to the doctor, uh, you know, they would know I was on medication, but, you know, and they'd ask about my drinking and I say, Oh, I drink, you know, this much, of course you always <laughs> downplay no a little bit. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, but then no, Oh, that's fine. Or, you know, as long as you're not drinking too much and the answer should have been, Oh my gosh, you should not be drinking when you're taking anxiety medication. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. never got that message from any of my doctors at all. Um, it just seemed like, Oh yeah, you're, that's okay. As long as, you know, you should be fine if you don't drink too much. And that's the other trick that that plays on us. I mean, you already said that you were the one, me too, by the way, that drank more than your friends, but even if yeah. like at that age, you know, that's how we judge it, right? Am I drinking more yes. or less than other people? And at that age, almost everyone I knew was drinking way more than like is recommended. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All of my friends were, and by the way, it, it wasn't like I was acting out of character or differently from my friends. My friends were all, you know, the same way, but 
Um, the combination of the stress, once you get going, you start drinking too much, can't stop mm -hmm. that cycle. And then by the end, by the time you add in the anxiety medication, it heightens the effect of the alcohol and vice versa yeah. um, and makes your medicine not work. Yes. <laughs> I had no idea. It's like pouring fuel on the fire, right? So um, that, and I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of that interaction until many years later. Mm. Yeah. And so, so out of, you're diagnosed out of grad school and then, then what, tell me what happened after that. All right. Well, pretty typical. I think, um, I met my husband in law school, um, and we were engaged and we got married about a year after law school. Um, and so again, all of my, my drinking continued, um, it's stressful being a young attorney, uh, getting imagine. into, yeah, getting into that whole um, profession uh, and the pressure that I felt. So again, dealing with stress, still taking the anxiety medication. Um, and that's the, the thing, I wasn't taking high doses. Um, it, it was a very low dose, but again, mixing it with the alcohol was just disastrous. And I just had no idea that, um, you know, why I seem to get more drunk than other people who are drinking the same amount yeah. or, you know, again, still comparing myself to those around me. Um, and so it, it continued. Uh, mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I got married and we had two kids uh, and that brought a whole other level of stress yeah. <laughs> and uh, situation. So it's like, kind of using alcohol as a coping mechanism for stress and anxiety throughout. Um, but right, life happens and things keep happening. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I was doing the best that I could with the tools that I had at the time, which was alcohol. Um, yeah. And that was the only way that I knew how to de-stress um, and to kind of quiet my mind. So during this time, was there ever a time when you're like, Ooh, I got to change this? Or did it still feel like, I know we're not through your story, but I'm just curious, like, as you're going through this, because what happens to so many of us is we have these little like thoughts every once in a while that we'll just kind of push away. Uh, like I remember very clearly right after I graduated college, there was a time I was living in New York, I was living alone. And I remember, I don't know why I remember this, but just standing in my, I was in a basement apartment in Queens. And I remember being in there and like, just having this thought, like, it's probably not good that I'm sitting here drinking scotch underground every night. And then I was like, eh, <laughs> I'm going to forget that. And it was yeah. years later, I actually made the change. I'm curious if you had any of those experiences. Oh, absolutely. So along the way, like I said, in, in law school and grad school, you know, there were moments where I said, wow, I'm, I'm having such bad hangovers, hangovers that I'm missing study groups or mm -hmm. wow, that person is angry with me because I let them down in certain ways. But then I would kind of push that out of the way, try yeah. to do better, not drink as much the next time um, and would end up right back in the same cycle. And over time, it's funny, right around that time that, you know, I feel like it goes in cycle. Your friends, you get married, your friends all get married and go through major life events. And so I remember a lot of going to a lot of weddings, right? Uh, yep. Friends weddings, yep. my husband's friends weddings. And that's when I really started to notice, um, you know, that things should probably change. Going to those um, big events and, you know, using them as an excuse to completely 
<laughs> over mm-hmm. drink. Um, yep. But that's because that's what everyone does. They go to a wedding and that's what you do at a wedding. You drink. And I mean, yes. um, yeah, that's those those kind of things would pop up over time, but especially at the big events like uh, friends, weddings and things like that. I think it's interesting with that process. And I hear a lot of people come into our programs, talk about it and they blame themselves, right? They're like, oh, this is me. Like there's something different about me. And they never Mm -hmm. want, no no one ever looks at like, oh, maybe it's alcohol's fault, right? Maybe this is actually an addictive substance. Right. It's a stuck, right? And then we look for those excuses. Yeah, man, I've been there. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It's true. And you never, you know, that never once did I question like, oh, maybe I should stop drinking and that would make me feel better. There was never that, you know, I mean, I knew in my mind uh, over time, more and more over time, there were, I I had like problematic behavior, right? There were, there would be these events where I drink way to excess or something like that. And I would pause and think like, wow, I shouldn't behave like that, but never in my mind. That I think back and say, oh, it's an addictive substance like X drug or Y drug. And yeah, I, it's mind boggling to me how that happened. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's just the way it was. Yep. I'm with you. So when, yeah. did it, when, when did you get to a point where you're like, I have to shift this? Yes. So when I had, uh, I had two, two kids, two boys, uh, they're fantastic. They're older now, um, but 10 and 12. Um, but with the, I had very traumatic, uh, births with both of them. I had preeclampsia with the first, he was born at 31 weeks and my second son was born at 28 weeks. Um, and I was very, very sick with both of them. I had preeclampsia and, um, they were in the NICU for six weeks piece. Um, so that trauma, um, was, uh, very taxing as you can imagine. Uh, and after the birth of my second son, who was a little guy, who was born at two pounds, 11 ounces. Um, he was a, he was a trooper from the time he came out though. (laughs) But at that point I, I was diagnosed, uh, with postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And so I did go on additional medication for the postpartum depression. In addition to the lower level anxiety medication that I was still taking from grad school. And so now you're dealing with stressful career, two children who were born prematurely and sick. I was very ill. I mean, it was just kept building and building at that time. So once my kids started getting a little older and I really um, kind of got, I mean, it was mommy wine culture, right? It was you drank uh, no matter what uh, on play dates, no matter where you were going. And at that Mm -hmm. point, Um, that's when I really realized that things had just gone too far. Um, when my, when my kids started getting affected or I felt like I was uh, not being the best mom that I could. And so that's when I really, uh, thought seriously for the first time, I I have to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what, what are, what are the emotions that go with that? Like, I know for me, it was a lot of guilt, a lot of guilt around my relationship with my kids, but how did that feel for you at the time? Uh, oh my gosh. I feel like I felt so many different things. I felt really guilty. Um, I felt guilty. Like I wasn't being the best mom that I could, or as attentive or giving more attention, uh, to my kids than I was because all I was thinking about is when could I drink next? When could I, you know, if I go to this event, how much could I drink? It was all I could think about in my mind. 
And that was taking away from my relationships with my kids, with my husband, with, you know, friends and family. And so I felt very guilty. I felt very angry, very, mm. very angry, uh, kind of thinking like, why me? Um, why is this happening to me? Not again, blaming the addictive substance, <laughs> right. um, blaming and, and then just sadness and fear and shame. Yeah. Like, why, why is this happening to me? Why can't I control it? I should be able to, should, yeah, <laughs> I should shoulds. be able to, yeah. to do this differently. Um, and so it was so many different feelings going on at once. This is the thing about, and the reason I ask about it is that it's so common for people at this point in the journey to be feeling those things mm -hmm. and those emotions causing us to do the one thing we want to quit doing, right? That shame right. and that guilt. Like for me, I didn't yeah. know how else to deal with it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I would put, um, I would put these like kind of fake uh, boundaries in place that never yeah. worked. So in, when I first started to try and control my drinking, uh, or cut back, I would put these fake boundaries in place, like, oh, I'll only drink on the weekends, or oh, I'll only drink uh, beer, or I mean, I tried every trick in the book to try and trick my brain into drinking less, and it never worked. Um, but, you know, over time, you know, as I tried to place limits, I just, you know, I was using willpower, I was, it just wasn't working. Uh, and it was frustrating and everything yeah. that I was trying to do on my own didn't work. So that's when I started to seek kind of other ways to deal with it. And what were those ways? I'm curious about, cause yeah. it's funny cause I've known you for a year, like for several years yeah. through some of our programs, but I've never talked about prior to when you started with us. So I'm really curious. Yes. So the first thing I found was actually a, uh, interestingly enough, a Australian website, <laughs> I'm in Massachusetts, so that was yeah. kind of weird. Uh, Australian website called Hello Sunday Morning. Yes, and, I've been there too. Uh, I joined that as well. <laughs> it's fantastic. It was a great, yeah. and that was really my first entree into like, okay, I'm kind of curious, like, what is this all about? And actually, it was at the same time that Annie uh, was putting out uh, first developing her book and self-publishing her first book, because mm. I remember her, um, you know, seeing mentions of this naked mind on hello Sunday morning. And so it was kind of my first um, entry into a, an online community um, for like-minded people. Mm -hmm. And um, from there I found other online groups uh, and really started to participate in some of those groups. Um, and over the year, and this was probably at this point, maybe five-ish years ago, Mm -hmm. So it's been a while, you know, this is, this hasn't been a linear journey. So by between the time that I started thinking about it, kind of dabbling online with like, oh, let's see if there's, you know, what's out there. Um, there's just so much more now, so many more communities, yeah. so many more uh, things to help out. But yeah, hello, Sunday morning. Uh, and then um, after you know, I was on Reddit. <laughs> uh, there's great. A, there's yeah. a great stop drinking uh, mm -hmm. Reddit. Uh, I was involved with them for quite some time, but then I was ready for, I felt like I was ready for more. Um, and at that point, that's when I stumbled onto um, the live alcohol experiment um, and this naked mind. I read the book um, and I participated in my first live alcohol experiment in, experiment in July of 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, I completed that. 
that's that's when I would say, um, you know, actually before that, before that, um, I did try something else. I did try AA for a while mm. um, because that's all I knew. That's all I knew of. Um, that's what and knows. I was like, yeah. yep. Yeah. And so in I did that. Um, I, that was my first long stint of uh, alcohol free. I was, I made it seven months. Awesome. That was in the, in around late 2017, early 2018. Um, but it was just, it wasn't for me. <laughs> Let's just say that for a young woman, a young woman. Um, I just didn't feel like the approach was for me or sustainable over the long term. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had my seven months and then I fell back into it and that lasted for about a year um, of me just trying, struggling, trying to find something that I wanted to, uh, how I wanted to approach this. And, you know, I'd have stints for a week, a couple weeks at a time, go back to it until uh, July of 2019, when I, that's when I would say uh, things just uh, have really improved dramatically uh, since since doing my first live alcohol experiment. Mm -hmm. What so, changed for you during that? Just I'm just curious. Like, what was the shift there? What was different? Yeah, I I think it was. Well, first of all, I think it was the format. Uh, it was the material. So never before, like the other online forums were fantastic uh, for information and particularly for helping me understand that I am not alone. Yes. in this journey that there are communities out there because at that time and still today most of my friends are pretty heavy drinkers um, and so I felt so lonely and by going on to these online communities it really helped me see that I'm not alone but then you take that to the next level when you get to the live alcohol experiment and the methodology and the way they go about um, you know just treating it as an experiment as something mm -hmm. to think about and be curious about. Um, and so opening up that, um, these ideas to really dig into and think about as they revolve around your relationship with alcohol was just life-changing. And the, the community, uh, the group of people that uh, I met in the July um, group, 2018 group, I'm still friends with many of them today. That's so we have cool. an alumni group um, and we're, yeah, we're, we're still connected. So I think connection is key. Um, connecting with coaches that can help you work through the process and also just the methodology of, you know, not trying to say there is one right way to do something and that's yes. it. Um, yes. And yeah. And just being curious about it and open about it because for me, it's been four or five years and I'm still working on it, but uh, I'm doing so much better <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm so much happier and so much more productive and better mom and better wife and better everything now because of, you know, the programs that I've gone through. Mm -hmm. So you do the live alcohol experiment, things start shifting, then you're yes. done, right? It's over. <laughs> No, <laughs> I wish that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, no, I did. I was really excited by the live alcohol experiment and I signed up for another one. Mm -hmm. um, and I did several live alcohol experiments and, you know, it might seem a little strange to do it over and over, but every time you review the material, well, number one, there's a whole new community with new perspectives, right? Yeah. And you have new coaches coming in. And so looking um, at, a topic um, several times from different angles and with different perspectives is just 
uh, huge. And yes. you get something new from the material uh, every time. And that's what I found anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and so once I did a few of those, uh, I actually went to the live alcohol experiment in or the live program in Denver. That's right. Um, I remember meeting you. That was, that was awesome. Yes. Yes. I told you I was from Manch Vegas. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did that in the fall of 2019 mm -hmm. um, in Denver. And that just kind of really where things started to really click and to take off because before then I had only met a community an alcohol-free community online. Yeah. But then when you're in a room with hundreds of people taking over a hotel, <laughs> And funny story, the lobby uh, bar ran out of alcohol-free beer, and they actually had to send <laughs> the bartender out to the local liquor store to get some AF beer. That's awesome. I love <laughs> um, that. But when you're, when you're surrounded by people in real life, um, and you realize, wow, I really am not alone, and there's this amazing community out here of people who I can be friends with and who understand where I'm coming from, you don't have to explain yourself. Yeah. Um, it's just, it kind of really took off from there. Um, and since then I've, uh, just been continuing on my journey. Um, and I ended up doing five live alcohol experiments by That's the end. Great. I was, I was more participating. Um, I've mentored, uh, mm -hmm. live alcohol experience, uh, experiments a few times now on the other side of things. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it's just wonderful to review the material and get stronger every time you do so. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things for me with, with doing the live alcohol experiment multiple times, just to, I want to repeat that because a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I can't do it again. I failed. There's so much content in there. I mean, that's a video yeah. every day for 30, like there's so much there. Um, yeah. And I love that you kept doing it. And we have so many people that come back and mentor too. Like, talk to me about like, what's that like for you? Like looking at it from I, that angle. Yeah, I love mentoring. Um, I have always liked, I am like to volunteer. I am a mentor um, in various programs in my professional life. I mentor younger attorneys and uh, help them. So mentoring is kind of my jam. <laughs> so when I saw that there was an opportunity to mentor people who were in the beginning of the process and going through had the same doubts and fears and questions that I did, I thought it was just a great way to give back. Mm -hmm. And um, it also reminds you, wow, um, look how far I've come. Um, and it just reinforces your why. It reinforces yeah. why you're doing it. Um, and it just feels good to uh, help other people and show other people that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's been a great experience. Totally. So what happened yeah. next? So al alcohol experiments live, this naked mind right. live, then what happened? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, so last June, obviously COVID craziness. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it, and you know March everything changed. Uh, and June, I saw that, or end of May, I guess, I saw that a new program um, was forming through this Naked Mind the Path. Um, mm -hmm. And since I had had such success and was really I, the methodology and the teachings really clicked with me. I thought, you know what, I'm having a whole new set of issues with homeschooling, quarantine, um, isolation. And yeah. I said, I really need something to keep my motivation going. Mm -hmm. um, and actually the last, the last live alcohol experiment that I did was in March. 
uh, in 2020 and then everything hit the fan with COVID and it just, the game changed. Right. And so, um, I decided that I really wanted to invest more time in myself and in my recovery. And so I gave it a shot. Um, and I signed up for the path and I was in a coach led group at first in the path and did that until September and, uh, kind of graduated, um, but learned, learned new materials, learned, you know, really did a deeper dive into, you know, the subconscious, uh, and the relationship between, you know, um, alcohol and the brain and, Mm. um, yeah, just how it all works. And it's like a continuation of the live alcohol experiment and a deeper dive into why we do the things we do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and and, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I interrupted you. I was going to say, so fast forward till today, I'm still, still in the path program still in a coach. I had you as a coach, obviously, yep. for <laughs> since September uh, through the beginning of this year. Um, and it's just been life-changing in that really spending time on the material and learning new ways to think about things, getting that personal connection with the coaches has been mm-hmm. so key. So I've never been coached before in my life. I never would have this, I would never would have hired a coach, right. <laughs> um, but the, the idea of getting that attention and thinking about things in a way that you never have before is key. Yeah. And as you, I'm interested as like, you're still on the path now, but you're pretty much alcohol free. So like, what are you doing now? Yes. What are you doing on the path? Um, a lot of things. So one of them, again, it all comes back to connection for me. And Mm -hmm. so the group of people that we have now in my small group, um, is there, they've become my friends. I mean, we've been in the same group since, uh, June of last year, or I've known the same core set of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the connection that I have there is like, I feel like I have a whole group of friends that I can talk to about things. Uh, we're planning our first world tour. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> there's I love there's that. some of them in Australia, some in, in Europe. So we're, we're trying to plan a world tour. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just connecting with them. Now at this point, reviewing the material that we've done, because again, when you go over it again, you see it in a whole new light. Mm-hmm. And so we might not be focusing on alcohol necessarily now, but life happens, right? And so things come up and being able to apply the lessons you learn um, as they relate to alcohol to other areas of your life is uh, fantastic. Yeah, I always, you know, one of the things that struck me with this journey was that one of the best ways to like really put alcohol in my rear view mirror and keep it there was to keep growing, keep going, yep. you know? And I think that's something that you and your, you know, your, your friends on the path and our group, I think did really well, which was like, all right, it's maybe not complete. We're not maybe totally alcohol free, but we're still reaching out in these other places. We're growing in these other directions. Doing that changes our perspective, which makes yep. alcohol even smaller and more irrelevant. Absolutely. And, um, and that's what I would say now that I, I rarely think, you know, am I a hundred percent, hundred percent all the time? No, but I really do feel that it is small and irrelevant. And if I look back to where I was when I first saw that hello Sunday morning, uh, I mean, it's like a whole new life, you know, yeah. it's like a, I'm a whole new person and 
for example, now one of my big, uh, my big domino, you know, now that I've kind of tackled the um, alcohol and made that small and irrelevant, I find that I have the energy and the interest and the, the um, desire to tackle mm-hmm. other things. And my big, my big thing that I'm working on now is exercise. And, you yeah. know, if I was still drinking the way I was, I never would have time and energy to invest in an exercise routine. Um, and so that. it just affects everything, you know, it's really like a chain reaction. Awesome. This is such a cool story. I we're running up against time. So I want to ask you this question. I love asking people this because it's just, it's, it's fun. So if you could go back, if you could go back to the Ruthie who had just started college, mm-hmm. you were just, you know, picking up that first drink or maybe sophomore year when it picked up a little bit for you, mm-hmm. you could say something to the Ruthie of back then. What would you say? Oh boy. <laughs> I'm not allowed to shake myself. <laughs> you can do that. That counts too. <laughs> like, don't do it. Um, I guess I would just tell her, uh, you know what? You might not feel it now, but um, you know, in those times that you do feel stress, uh, and down the line when you feel stress, um, find other ways to cope with it. Drinking doesn't have to be the solution. Um, you can you know, cope with those stressful events and unexpected events in a much better way than drinking. And I would uh, tell myself uh, to find things that bring me joy because in that joy, if you can find other activities, like like I do coloring, I do, uh, you know, walk my dog. I do so many other things now that I never enjoyed before because that time was taken with drinking. And so I think I would find uh, I would tell her to find find a few things that bring you joy and turn to those uh, in times of stress. I love that. That's perfect. Well, Ruthie, thank you very much for taking the time. You're welcome. Today, it was good catching up with you. Um, and to those <laughs> of you listening, thank you for listening. We'll be back again soon with another Naked Life story. Take care. Hey, I'm so excited because we are literally just about to start another live alcohol experiment. And if you don't know about the alcohol experiment, you need to literally drop everything right now and go to livealcoholexperiment.com. Here's the thing. This is a 30-day challenge and it's designed to interrupt your patterns and put you back in touch with the best version of you. You'll know it's that version that's living the most joyful life, that version that doesn't need alcohol to relax or have a good time, and that version that's having more fun and is more peaceful than ever. Again, it's just a 30-day challenge. It's live every single day. It's starting on the first, so hurry up. Join me at livealcoholexperiment.com. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.